Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Glasgow Times News Podcast, normally recorded in our studio at the Bishop Briggs Media Centre, currently recorded from our volunteers' homes. To keep in touch with us, use our social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram and Twitter, which are all at Q and Review. That's C-U-E-A-N-D-R-E-V-I-E-W. Or get in touch via information at qandreview.com. That's information at C-U-E-A-N-D-R-E-V-I-E-W dot com. Please like and share our podcast and give us any constructive feedback. From the Glasgow Times, Friday the 18th of November 2022, from the news section, Forge Market and Plea Not to be Mistaken for Closed Market Village by Lauren Brownlee, Senior Reporter, Bosses at the Forge Market have pleaded with shoppers not to mistake them for another market which has shut down. We previously reported that the Market Village within the Forge Shopping Centre ceased trading earlier this week, but the Forge Market, which is nearby on Duke Street, is still open for business. A post on Facebook read, The Forge Market is open as normal. Our 60 plus independent trainers are waiting to traders are waiting to welcome you to a shopping paradise. Do not mistake us for the, the Forge Shopping Centre Market Village, which is now closed. It is believed that the company that runs the Market Village has gone into administration. The Glasgow Times previously spoke with traders who were shocked to find out the news on Monday night. They were told at 5pm they would not be able to trade the next day. And that report was by Lauren Brownlee. From the Glasgow Times, Friday the 18th of November 2022, from the news section... Fundraising Drive aims to secure a brighter future for Brave Linwood Boy by Jacob Nicol. A Linwood couple whose young son has a severe type of spina bifida are appealing for help to fund treatment which will hopefully mean he's able to walk. Lauren Wark was told after her 20-week scan in 2022 that her unborn child's phoenix could be paralysed from the waist down as a result of the condition. The determined mum-to-be then underwent a procedure in Belgium to repair the lesion in his back which involved him undergoing surgery while still in the womb. Now age two, Phoenix's movement has exceeded the expectations of doctors and Lauren hopes a new spinal stimulation treatment will bring further progress. She said, When Phoenix was born, we were told he had no feeling in his legs whatsoever and would probably never be able to do anything like sit, crawl, stand or walk. However, he sat up unaided when he was five months, then began army crawling when he was 13 months, before he started properly crawling at 18 months. He can now stand when he's holding my hands. His left leg is definitely a lot weaker than his right side, but we hope the spinal stimulation will help with this. Warren, 28, and her husband Gordon have set up a GoFundMe page to help pay for the new treatment, which involves using a machine called an e-stim unit. The device gives electrical impulses from the lower legs back to the legs, and it's designed to help children with spina bifida feel parts of their body they were unaware of before. Warren said, We found a private physio in Linlithgow who has been trained on how to do spinal stimulation, so we go there every two weeks. Phoenix has only had two sessions, so it's too early to say how much it is helping, but the physio says he looks like a fantastic candidate for the treatment based on her initial assessment. We've also ordered the spinal stimulation machine and are waiting for it to arrive. Lauren is hoping to raise more funds to help pay for Phoenix's expensive physio sessions and other equipment, such as a walker, that he will need during treatment. She added, I've had to stop working 
as it's just not feasible for me to have a job and provide all the care that Phoenix requires, so our funds are a bit tight right now. Any donations would be so appreciated. We want to do as much as we can for Phoenix, as he is so determined and I can see him going so far. To support the fundraising efforts, visit gofundme.com slash f slash help hyphen phoenix hyphen get hyphen up hyphen and hyphen going and that report was by Jacob Nickel from the Glasgow Times Friday the 18th of November 2022 from a news section Glasgow man appears in court over a suspicious package in Cambus Lang by Janice Mitchell a man has appeared in court after a bomb squad locked down in Campus Lang Street earlier this week. As previously reported by the Glasgow Times, 999 crews and an explosive ordnance disposal EOD, team were called to Mansion Court on Tuesday night following the discovery of a suspicious package. Police Scotland later confirmed that the EOD unit made the item safe before removing it for examination. On Wednesday night, forensic officers were then spotted a few miles away in Glasgow's Marfield Street in the city's quarantine, in connection with the incident. The force later confirmed a suspect had been arrested and charged. John Carstairs, 42, appeared at Glasgow Sheriff Court on Thursday. Carstairs, of the city, made no plea to the single charge of making or being in possession of an explosive substance under suspicious circumstances. The case was committed for further examination, with Carstairs remaining in custody, custody meantime. The suspect is due to return to court within the next week. And that report was by Janice Mitchell. From the Glasgow Times, Friday the 18th of November 2022, from the news section, man arrested in Glasgow in connection with indecent online chat. Report by Nicole Mitchell. A man has been charged in connection with alleged indecent online communications. Officers were called to Cowcatton's Road at 3.15pm on Wednesday afternoon regarding the allegation. A 53-year-old man was arrested and charged and was due to appear at Glasgow Sheriff Court yesterday. A report has been submitted to the Procurator Fiscal. A Police Scotland spokesperson said, A 53-year-old man has been arrested and charged in connection with alleged indecent online communications. Officers were called to Cowcatton's Road, Glasgow, around 3.15pm on Wednesday, November 16th, 2022, regarding the allegation. He is due to appear at the Glasgow Sheriff Court on Thursday, the 17th November, 2021. A report has been submitted to the Procurator Fiscal. I do believe that may be a misprint there with that date, 17th November, 2021. Maybe it should be 2022. Apologies. And that article was by Nicole Mitchell. From the Glasgow Times, Friday the 18th of November 2022, from the news section, Exclusive, Mother and Daughter Separated by War Reunited in Scotland, by Greg Russell, journalist. A mother and daughter whose lives were ripped apart by war have had an emotional reunion in Scotland after being separated for 10 years. Our sister title The National exclusively revealed a year ago how a Glasgow immigration lawyer had taken the case of the two women, who were calling Shamja, 54, and her 39-year-old daughter Jalia, to protect their identities, to the first-tier tribunal of the Immigration and Asylum Chamber. 
Jalila is a Saudi national and she, her husband and her child live with the widow Samja in Syria. However, when the civil war flared up in 2011, they fled to Lebanon, but Samja could not enter that country because she is a Palestinian national. Her home was destroyed in the conflict and she had spent 10 years living in refugee camps while her daughter had to cope with the death of her own husband and separation from her mother. Jalila avoided repatriation to a war zone when she was chosen for UK resettlement and, on arriving in Scotland, set about navigating the notoriously difficult UK family reunion rules. After a string of disappointments, Asla managed to get the case before the first tier tribunal. When that body decided the mother and daughter could be reunited in Scotland, Jalila told the National, I honestly cannot describe how great a moment this is in my life. It's one of the greatest moments in my life. Her main concerns then centred on the time it would take for her mother's documentation to be processed in her war-ravaged homeland. We illustrated our first story with an image of Samja sitting outside the tin hut she called home in a Syrian refugee camp. One year on, both women were virtually dumbstruck when they reunited for the first time in a decade. Aslam, a senior solicitor with Mokhtat & Co in Glasgow, told The National, What voters and taxpayers ought to be entitled to it's the truth when it comes to immigration matters. The truth is that it was the Conservative government who said they wanted to create a safe passage for people fearing prosecution or war, a non-existent ludicrous proposition we all know about. It was they who said the family reunion is a safe pa- passage, yet, yet it is the same government that, despite opposition, continues to make it increasingly harder for members, family members to be reunited. He added, in this particular case, a mother and daughter were separated for years unnecessarily. This elderly mother was living in a ripped-up tent, unsure if she could eat every day and surrounded by warfare. What if that was your mother? Would you be happy with taking years and wondering whether a good enough case was presented in court? If there is a safe passage to the UK, it is a family reunion. Mukhtar and Co are delighted with this outcome and continue to fight for refugees. And that article was written by Greg Russell. From the Glasgow Times, Friday the 18th of November 2022, from the news section, Murderer pleads guilty to stabbing Billy Maguire in Clydebank House by Grant McCabe. A man murdered a friend who confronted him after being called a midget. Brian Follen, 27, stormed into a house where Billy Maguire was and stabbed him four times in the chest. The violence was sparked after Mr. Maguire had telephoned Fulan when he learned about the height remark. The 25-year-old dad died in hospital after the attack in Clydebank, Western Bartonshire, on December 20, 2020. Fulan now faces a life sentence after he pleaded guilty at the High Court in Glasgow to murder. Corey Craig, 28, admitted to a culpable homicide charge on the basis he drove Fulan and Jordan Morrison, 26, to the house. Morrison was acquitted of any involvement in the killing, but pleaded guilty to the attempted murder of Mr Maguire's friend John Higgins that night. The trio will be sentenced next month. Morrison and Craig had no previous convictions. The court heard how Fulan had been friends with Mr Maguire and Mr Higgins. Craig meantime knew the latter. Fulan, Morrison and the two men were at a party in the house at Perth Crescent Clay Bank, where Angel White lived. Later on December the 20th, 2020, the four, along with Ms White and her friend Earl Leonard, were the only people still there. Prosecutor Eric Robertson then explained, 
Billy Maguire and John Higgins fell asleep. Fallen, in discussion with Angel White, described Billy Maguire as a midget and an idiot. Later, John Higgins made a remark about Fallen's mother, which angered him. The court heard after Fallen and Morrison were picked up by Craig, the woman told Mr Maguire about the midget jibe. Mr Maguire then called Fallen, stating, Make sure you're in your mum's tomorrow. He added he was going to come and see him. During a separate call, there were then threats exchanged between Fallen and Mr Higgins. It ended up with Fallen, Morrison and Craig returning to the house around midnight. Craig had earlier texted a friend saying, Going to Gaffnet the now to get that wee bill. Craig remained in his Mercedes as the other two leapt out. The pair's faces were covered with a mask or snood as they burst in. However, Fallen was recognised due to his physique and Morrison because of the size of his large stomach as well as his tan. Mr Maguire was knifed as he sat on a sofa with Morrison attacking Mr Higgins. Miss White and her friend fled upstairs before a wounded Mr Maguire told him he had been stabbed in the heart. The injured men were rushed, rushed to the hospital. Mr Maguire went into cardiac arrest and passed away that morning. His friend ended up in intensive care from his stab wounds. He will be scarred for life but is likely to make a full recovery. Fallen Morrison and Craig were later held by police. Craig stated he knew Morrison but had only met Fallen once or twice. He said he had picked the pair up that night to return to Glasgow but that Fallen had wanted to go back to pick something up. Craig then waited outside the house as the two men went back, back in before the duo jumped back into the Mercedes and they drove to Drumchapel after the murder. Craig also pleaded guilty to being involved in the assault on Mr Higgins on the basis he was a driver that night. Lord Mulholland told the trio, The use of a knife in another human being is a very serious matter. A person lost his life. The effect on his family will be profound. They were, remi- they were remanded that sentencing was deferred for reports. And that report was by Grant McCabe. From the Glasgow Times, Friday the 18th of November 2022, from the news section, Probe underway after firebugs set abandoned van alight in Johnson, by Jacob Nicol. An investigation has been launched after a group of firebugs set an abandoned van alight in Johnson. The vehicle was discovered ablaze in a yard near Cochnerine Mill Road around 7.30pm on Thursday. A crew from the Scottish Fire and Rescue Service rushed to the scene and was able to extinguish the flames before anyone was injured. It is understood that the van was destroyed during the blaze, which has been treated as willful fire raising by police. While carrying out local inquiries, officers learned that the vehicle had been abandoned in the yard around nine months ago. Police were also told that four people had been seen pouring liquid over the van and setting it alight before making off. Inquiries are ongoing and anyone with information is asked to call officers on 101. And that report was by Jacob Nicol. From the Glasgow Times, Friday the 18th of November 2022, from the news section, Quad Bike Driver Flees the Scene After Crashing Glasgow by Lauren Brownlee. The driver of a quad bike allegedly crashed into a parked vehicle before fleeing the scene. Cops were called to Drumchapel Road on 5.20pm on Wednesday, October the 26th. It has since been revealed that police are now following a positive line of inquiry following the incident. Offers previously recovered the quad, quad bike. A post on Twitter read, At sign Glasgow NW Police recovered an unregistered quad bike after being driven on the wrong side of the road, 
crashing into a parked vehicle with the driver leaving the scene. Inquiries are ongoing. We encourage you to phone 101 and continue to report similar incidents. A Police Scotland spokesperson. Around 5.20pm on Wednesday, October 26, 2022, officers were called to a report of a quad bike having crashed into a parked vehicle on Drumchapel Road, Glasgow. The quad bike has been recovered and officers are following a positive lines of inquiry. From the Glasgow Times, Friday the 18th of November 2022, from the news section, Ronan Keating helps give away free coffee at dozens of Glasgow cafes, by Marissa McWhorter. Ronan Keating from the band Boyzone has teamed up with a popular coffee chain to promote its mobile app and give away free coffee. Keating, known for the chart-topping hit When You See Nothing At All, has been branded the new Costa Coffee Director of Love to help the company give away millions of free coffees throughout the UK. Dozens of Costa Coffee shops in Glasgow are participating in the campaign, which kicked off on Thursday, November the 17th. To get a free coffee, customers need to download the Costa Coffee app and sign up to the Costa Coffee Club loyalty scheme between now and December the 24th. Participating cafes in Glasgow include Bothell Street, Brayhead and Central Station, along with dozens more. Keating said, I'm really excited to be joining Costa Coffee for a campaign with love at its heart. It's fun to play the role of Director of Love, and I'm excited to give the nation lots of love this festive season, and maybe even help them reconnect over a Costa Coffee. Shakir Moyne, Costa Coffee Interim CEO, said, Ronan Keating is responsible for some of the greatest love songs of all time, so who better to help us woo customers and share them with love this festive season? We'll not only be giving millions of baristas crafted coffees away, but we'll be taking to the streets and even the, the skies to show Brits how we feel about them. Stay tuned for some big surprises. And that article was by Marissa McWhorter. From the Glasgow Times, Friday the 18th of November 2022, from the news section, Sagar Massey to compete in semi-finals of MasterChef show by Jacob Nicholl, reporter. A talented young chef from Johnson has made it through to the semi-finals of a top TV cookery show. Sagar Massey, 23, wowed judges with his culinary skills as he fought out against other three, against three other cooks during last night's episode of MasterChef, The Professionals. In the first challenge, the senior sous chef, who previously lived in Paisley, made a special chocolate mousse based on the tried and tested combination of orange and ginger. After tasting the dessert, Michelin-starred chef Marcus Waring said, You've got so many fantastic flavours dancing and singing and enjoying themselves together. It's an absolute delight. During the second challenge, each chef had to cook a two-course menu of their own design, which was scrutinised by three of the UK's most experienced food critics, Tom Parker Bowles, Tracy McLeod and Grace Dent. For his first dish, Sagar served up masala halibut, citrus and saffron fennel, crispy spiced potato bonbon and puffed rice with a carom seed curry sauce. Tom said... The fish is cooked beautifully. It's very delicately spiced. You're still tasting the freshness of the fish. Sagar's pudding consisted of rose gewar, goat's curd and fennel cream with white balsamic strawberries. Judge and acclaimed chef Anna Hall said, He's really impressed me with this dessert. Not something I've had before, but definitely something I would have again. Sagar said he was feeling over the moon after making it through to the next round of the popular TV competition. He added, I just can't believe it. I'm going to push more to get into the final. 
Sagar is now one of 10 chefs who will be competing in the semi-finals, which will commence on BBC One and iPlayer at 8pm on Monday, November the 28th. And that article is by Jacob Nicol. From the Glasgow Times, Friday the 18th of November 2022, from the news section, Survey signs a light on safety fears in Glasgow parks after dark, by Stuart Patterson, political correspondent. People do not feel safe using parks in Glasgow after daylight hours, a survey for the council has found. The council is committed to providing some lighting in parks and work has been carried out to decide where and how it should be done. The issue of lighting in parks came to a head last year during the COP26 summit in Glasgow when people were diverted through Kelvin Grove Park when roads were shut to allow world leaders to get to the art gallery for a dinner. Many women said the park was in darkness and they felt unsafe, leading to people in other areas stating safety concerns about parks after dark and campaigns to provide lighting on key routes. The survey focused on three parks, Kelvin Grove Park in the west, Queen's Park in the south and Cranhill Park in the east. In all three it found very few felt safe in the park after dark. In Cranhill, only 4% said they felt safe after dark, while 60% said they felt unsafe. In Queen's Park, 6% said they felt safe after dark, and 49% said they felt unsafe. And in Kelvin Grove, 8% said they felt safe, and 68% felt unsafe. During the day in all three, the majority felt safe. In Kelvin Grove, 95% felt safe during daylight hours, in Queen's Park, 94%, and in Cranhill, 75% felt safe. The next step is a series of technical workshops, workshops to decide on what routes light should be placed and how they would be installed. It is likely that it will be 2024 before lighting is installed after plans are finalised, costing worked out and funding secured before construction work can begin. The Council said that the impact on wildlife and biodiversity has to be taken into account as well as the bird nesting season. A spokesperson for Glasgow City Council said, Our engagement sessions with stakeholders and community representatives have provided a clear steer on how to deal with the issue of introducing more lighting into parks. The evidence we committed to gather in relation to the three parks involved a pilot programme will now help inform a series of workshops that will consider a range of technical issues in much more detail. Issues to be gone through will include potential routes or areas to be lit, the type of lighting to be used, ecological impact and any tree management work that may be required. A further report on the outcome of the forthcoming workshops will be given to our environmental committee in April next year. Funding for any project is still to be identified and any work to remove any vegetation will be undertaken out with bird nesting season. And that report was by Stuart Patterson. Glasgow Times News on Monday the 21st of November. Bronze Gandhi bust could pop up in a major city park. An article written by Esther Tarnay. A bronze bust of Mahatma Gandhi could appear in a big city park. Glasgow City Council is currently considering a planning application which would see the world-famous political and spiritual leader statue displayed on a plinth. The commemorative artwork would be located in Kelvin Grove Park, near the Stewart Memorial Fountain. The application was submitted by the Association of Indian Organisations, which says the historical icon deserves a monument. 
Dr Mridula Chakraborty, Secretary of the Association, told the Glasgow Times, About four years ago, we thought it would be a good idea if we had a bust or a statue of Mahatma Gandhi on the city of Glasgow, which we don't have at the moment. I reached out to the Indian government, and after a long struggle, they donated a statue, and they sent a bust as well. But the amount of time it's taken to get permission to install, the statue was taken to the Ayrshire Consul, so we now have the bust. Initially, we started with discussions about where it should be, and I wrote a number of letters to heads of departments, including the Lord Provost, as to where it should be located, where maybe there is the least vandalism. Eventually, we had a good meeting and decided that the location could be Kelvin Grove Park because it's located not very far from the West End, where all the students are. There's a temple nearby and the area is very multicultural. With this bust, the association hopes to pay tribute to the freedom fighter. Dr Chakraborty added, It's not for the Indian community only, it's global because Mahatma Gandhi started the process of the black movement, along with the influences of Nelson Mandela and Martin Luther King Jr. He epitomises non-violence. He tried to press upon any issues without violence and he did a lot of work in India, but prior to that he was elsewhere in the world, like Zimbabwe and Johannesburg. About Glasgow, she said events like the 2014 Commonwealth Games prove how united the locals are, despite differences in race, religion, class and nationality. She added, I think the spirit is there, so having this kind of thing can even improve that, and it's very important to have a common understanding of people in today's world, as a lot of the time people don't understand each other. Glasgow, I think, is really an exception. People do work together very well, and it's very much multicultural. The application is currently being considered by Glasgow City Council. A decision was due to have been made on October 28th. A spokesperson said, The application for planning permission for the erection of a bronze bust representing Mahatma Gandhi on land adjacent to the Stuart Memorial Fountain in Kelvingrow Park is currently being assessed. An article written by Esther Tarnay. Glasgow Times News on Monday the 21st of November. Campaigners hit out at leaders for forgetting drugs crisis. An article written by Catherine Bussey. Political leaders appear to have forgotten Scotland's drug death crisis, campaigners claimed as they published a report calling for changes to be made in treatment services. The group Favour, that is Faces and Voices of Recovery, claimed there's still a postcode lottery in terms of treatment for drug users, with referrals to residential rehabilitation centres branded inconsistent. It published its report a year after First Minister Nicola Sturgeon and Scottish Conservative leader Douglas Ross carried out a rare joint visit to a community group in Glasgow set up to try to help addicts. Kenny Trainer, the founder of the Blue Vale Community Centre, said that 12 months later little had changed. He said, we were delighted to welcome the First Minister and politicians from various parties to Blue Vale last year to discuss the drug death crisis, but what we said then still applies now. Scotland's politicians need to wake up to the reality in our communities where lives are still being devastated by addiction and progress has been far too slow.
Figures from National Records of Scotland showed 1,330 people lost their lives to drug misuse in Scotland in 2021, a drop of 1% from the previous year. Favour Scotland Chief Executive Anne-Marie Ward said that unfortunately the systems remain as broken today as it was a year ago. She added, our report identifies the deep-rooted problems and outlines a series of recommendations to improve how we treat people. It looks like the politicians have forgotten about Scotland's drug death crisis, so we hope our blueprint to save lives will remind them that our communities are still suffering and they still need to act. Some authorities refuse to refer drug users seeking help to residential rehabilitation services outside their local area, the report claims. It adds that some people have been waiting years for appointments with recovery services and claims that in many cases treatment is solely pharmaceutical, with users prescribed drugs such as methadone and buvidal but given no mental health support at all. The report recommends a clear definition of residential rehabilitation be introduced, saying this would ensure nobody is sent to pretend rehab facilities that are really stabilisation or detox services. It calls for a centralised referral and funding system to end the postcode lottery to residential rehab and also suggests guidelines to be brought in to ensure mental health support is provided alongside substance management and pharmaceutical treatment. The report also recommends that statistics should be published setting out how many people have waited 6 months, 12 months and 24 months for a place in a residential rehabilitation facility. Drugs Policy Minister Angela Constance said... As we do all we can to help families cope with the cost-of-living crisis, we're even more focused on supporting those affected by problem substance use, delivering real change on the ground and implementing approaches we know can help lives. Anyone who needs support should have access to whatever type of treatment or recovery works best for them. That's why we're investing £100 million in residential rehabilitation over the course of this Parliament. An article written by Catherine Bussey. Glasgow Times. News. On Monday the 21st of November. Food Bank cancels Christmas drive to appeal for essentials due to demand. An exclusive front page article written by Esther Tarnay. A North Glasgow charity that supports families has been forced to cancel its annual Christmas drive to focus on baby formula donations due to demand. Volunteers at Glasgow Baby Food Bank Limited made the difficult decision to give up on their holiday campaign after recent weeks shifted their perspective. Tracy Pender, co-founder of the charity, told the Glasgow Times, due to the rise of the cost of living and the fuel crisis, we're struggling for formula. Normally at this time of year we would do a Christmas present drive, but we had to decide that other organisations would be able to help these families out. Instead, we need to do a formula drive. We're asking for formula to make sure these families aren't going without it. In the past three months, we weren't able to meet all the referrals due to the not enough stock coming in. Since starting up in 2019, the demand for baby food has grown dramatically, according to the North Glasgow resident. As the cost of living crisis is inflating prices, many parents and guardians are left unable to buy essential items like food. 
The 45-year-old added, Unfortunately, it's almost £14 for a tin of formula, our most popular one that goes out the door, and not everyone who's going shopping can afford that. As quickly as donations come in, they're straight back out of the door. It's heartbreaking more than anything. Everyone now is hit. It's not just the low-income families who are struggling in this crisis. More than anything, it's important to highlight that everyone is struggling. Since launching the appeal, the charity has received generous donations from several organisations and individuals, for which they're grateful. Ms Pender said, The feedback and the donations we receive since putting the call out have been phenomenal. A big shout-out to everyone who is involved and all our partners. We give out formulas, wipes, nappies, baby food and toiletries. Also, if a family's struggling and they don't have the essentials like prams, Moses baskets, clothing and shoes, we can help out with that as well. An exclusive front-page article written by Esther Tanai. Glasgow Times News on Monday the 21st of November. School staff to be trained in eating disorder awareness. An article written by Sarah Hilly. School staff in Glasgow are to be trained in eating disorders and self-harm awareness to help children who are struggling with their mental health. There is a bid to increase the number of staff in secondary and primary schools trained in self-harm awareness. Secondary school teachers will also get the chance to undertake a suicide prevention course next year. And all pastoral care teachers are to be trained in eating disorder awareness by June 2023. Glasgow City Principal Psychologist Barry Syme said, We're aware of the rise in eating disorders that have come through, possibly linked to the pandemic. But it was something we were seeing before the pandemic. We're looking at upskilling staff in schools around eating disorder awareness through SPOT, that is Schools Professionals Online Training, provided free by BEATS Eating Disorder Charity. All pastoral care teachers in the city will undertake this training. Mr Syme presented details of the mental health support available in Glasgow schools at Thursday's Education, Skills and Early Years City Policy Committee. Services include play therapy and counselling. Pastoral care teachers will be taught how to spot the signs of an eating disorder condition and how to help a young person get support. The council has a plan to increase the number of staff trained in self-harm awareness – A council report presented at the committee said we're into a five-year plan to have two what's-the-harm trainers in each secondary school and in the longer term one trainer in each primary school. We'll develop support materials for primary schools in responding to self-harm. We're in the process of developing a self-harm training plan for all 19 residential children's houses in Glasgow and we aim to have a trainer based in each children's house. A range of services are provided by Glasgow City Council's Education Department, the Health and Social Care Partnership and Partners in Schools. They complement services offered by Specialist Children's Services and the Child and Adolescent Mental Health Service. An article written by Sarah Hilly. Glasgow Times News on Monday the 21st of November. Hundreds of Scots refused cost-of-living payments. An article written by Tom Torrance. Around 700 Scots households have been refused vital cost-of-living payments after being hit with benefit sanctions, it's been revealed. 
The Scottish Sun reports that £650 was supposed to go to all vulnerable low-income households on universal credit and other benefits. The first payment of £326 was due to go to them at the beginning of September, and the second sum is expected to be paid out between November 23rd and November 30th. Statistics released under a Freedom of Information request, however, show the Department for Work and Pensions turned down 700 people in Scotland. No specific figure for Glasgow was given. Of these, 400 were not given the support solely due to the sanctions. The others were denied the money due to sanctions and other reasons. SNP MSP Natalie Don told the newspaper... It's completely immoral that those most in need are being denied vital support as a direct result of cruel Westminster policies. During a cost-of-living crisis, this is nothing short of a scandal. The UK government must urgently get these payments to all the people entitled to them. By the Tories' own admission, this payment was introduced for people who are desperately struggling. But they're being denied the support because of the Tories' punitive sanction regime. It's understood to qualify for the first payment, households had to receive a benefit or tax credit between April 26th and May 25th. For the second payment, they need to be paid a benefit between August 26th and September 25th. But anyone sanctioned in this period won't get the extra cash. A Department for Work and Pension spokesperson said, People are only sanctioned if they fail, without good reason, to meet the conditions they agreed to. Sanctions can often be resolved by re-engaging with the job centre and attending the next appointment. Hardship payments are available to claimants who demonstrate they can't meet their immediate needs as a result of their sanction. The Department of Work and Pensions added that more than 7.2 million cost-of-living payments worth around £2.4 billion were processed in July. An article written by Tom Torrance. Glasgow Times, on Monday the 21st of November. Lifestyle. Peter Capaldi talks living on pakora and lager in Glasgow. An article written by Stacey Mullen and Catherine Hay. Actor Peter Capaldi spoke of how Bill Forsyth saved him from living off pakora and lager after starring him in Scottish cult classic Local Hero. The Doctor Who and The Thick of It star praised the Scots film director in an acceptance speech after receiving the BAFTA Scotland Award for Outstanding Contribution to Film and Television on Sunday. He was part of a night of celebrations of Scottish film and television in Glasgow, which saw Best Actor awarded to fellow co-star Jack Loudon for his role in Benediction and Izuka Hoyle scoop Best Actress as Camille in the British film Boiling Point. Speaking to the audience while holding his BAFTA, Mr Capaldi said the ward was for getting lucky and for being lucky enough to be born in Scotland. But he also pinned the recognition on the people who he has met along the way, including Bill Forsyth. He said, 40 years ago, I was just up here in Glasgow as an art student, living off pakora and lager for breakfast. Bill Forsyth scooped me up and put me in local hero. It was an act of kindness and confidence that baffled me and much of the industry to this day, but I wouldn't be here without him and nor would a lot of others. Mr Capaldi landed his breakthrough film role aged 24, playing Danny Olson, a naive young oil industry executive in the film. 
He went on to praise Scottish satirist Armando Iannucci, writer of The Thick of It, where Mr Capaldi plays the foul-mouthed spin doctor Malcolm Tucker, describing him as fabulously gifted. He said by the time he met Mr Iannucci, he had some ups and downs and had been dropped from the series Trollerman before deciding to go for the Tucker audition. He recounted, When I went to the audition and Armando said to me, There's no dates, there's no stars, there's no actual script, and would you like to improvise something? I had that look on my face that was basically telling him to F with three stars the F with three stars off, which, as it turned out, was the right vibe to bring to the room. He gave me the job and it changed my life. And of course he couldn't leave out Stephen Moffat, who scouted him to play the Twelfth Doctor in Doctor Who. Commenting on their time spent working with each other, Mr Capaldi said, Off we went, and he took me on the most magical journey. He commented on Kuti Gatwa taking on the new Doctor Who role, adding, I can see it in his heart that he is about to discover how beautiful and wonderful and cosmic the human race can actually be. And he'll also be able to spot an anorak in his peripheral vision 50 yards away, and he'll have to find out what to do. Mr Capaldi closed with a nod to his fellow actors. I just want to say, actors are brilliant. And it's great when you get an award and it's all like this and everything's going really well. But for a lot of actors, it's not going well. And from day to day, from week to week, it can be really tough. And you can't get through the door and you can't get out the door sometimes. So I just want them to know that sometimes the stars align and you get lucky. And that's what happened to me. An article written by Stacey Mullen and Catherine Hay. Glasgow Times News on Monday the 21st of November. Councillor pledges to hold the SNP to account. An article written by Drew Sandilands. The city's newest councillor, John Carson, has pledged to hold the SNP to account over the state of the city and believes there's growing support among residents for Labour. Councillor Carson, a postman, has been balancing his Royal Mail shifts with campaigning for a seat in the ward where he's lived for nearly all his life. The 28-year-old, a communication workers' union rep, has also been heavily involved in recent postal strikes and is a member of the union's national executive. He's pledged to fight the corner for the Lynn community. What's really happening right now is that Glasgow is disproportionately suffering from the cuts, he said. The solution the SNP seems to have is that local communities are going to compete with each other for resources. The thing is, everyone is paying their council tax. They're all entitled to equal treatment. We need to be there to hold them to account for how they're governing. A by-election was called in the Lynn Ward after the death of former Glasgow Labour group leader Malcolm Cunning. Malcolm was a local Labour stalwart, very dedicated to the area and public service, Councillor Carson said. As someone who's lived in the area and obviously was a Labour member, I saw that firsthand. The new councillor said he has very strong public service values and wants to give back to the community that I grew up in and has given so much to me. I think the key thing is going to be holding the SNP Council to account for the state of the city, for proper investment in the city and to focus on the real issues, he said. 
You look at cleansing services, your roads, lighting, all that kind of stuff. Campaigning during recent wet weather has been a good long slog, Councillor Carson said, but his spirits have been lifted by the residents he's met. It was challenging for myself as well because I would be doing the delivery shifts for Royal Mail in the first half of the day, then coming home, getting a shower, having a bite to eat, and then you're going back out to chap doors. It's a difficult thing, but you go out and speak to people and you get a real boost. Labour's definitely gone through a very difficult and challenging period. We're moving away from that now. People are far more receptive. They've tried out the other parties and they're now starting to come back to Labour. That's really positive to see, but at the same time we've had to work really hard for it. We're not picking these things up on the default. We really are having to put in a shift, and that's proven in the result. An article written by Drew Sanderlands. Glasgow Times, on Monday the 21st of November. Opinion. Is Elon Musk's Twitter a folly set to implode soon? A column written by Mike Daly. Folly is given two meanings in most dictionaries. First, an act of foolishness or supremely daft idea. Second, in relation to buildings, a structure that's ornamental and serves no practical purpose other than to indulge one's ego. A fine example is McCaig's Folly, a Romanesque mini-colosseum which stands astride Battery Hill, overlooking the beautiful town of Auburn. First erected in 1897 by the Scottish banker John Stuart McCaig to cherish the memory of himself and family. Construction stopped when Mr McCaig died in 1902 and his family challenged his will for further lavish building plans, including a tower and statues of himself and family members, it would seem that they had more practical plans for his money. Fast forward 120 years and we still have follies, albeit on grander scales. Elon Musk's purchase of Twitter is a classic example of what happens when an ego goes unchecked and has no boundaries. Mr Musk bought Twitter for $44 billion. The business had posted losses for seven out of the last nine years. Mr Musk says Twitter is losing $4 million each day, which probably explains why he'd previously tried, unsuccessfully, to get out of the deal to buy the company. It can't be worth what he paid for it. It's reported that Twitter has almost a quarter of a billion users. To make that business a success, based on subscriptions, Mr Musk has now rolled out Blue Twitter at $8 per month, You'd need one in four users to take out a subscription without advertising. Leaving aside the fact a lot of users are bots, a social media Twitter account controlled by computer software that generates its own content, generating such a high level of subscriptions seems impossible. YouTube has 2.6 billion users with 80 million subscribers. That's three out of every 100 users who are prepared to subscribe. Add to this the fact that Mr Musk has spooked a lot of his big corporate advertisers, including General Motors, Audi, United Airlines, Volkswagen and Eli Lilly, the big pharma company. The American news channel CBS News suspended its use of Twitter over the weekend, explaining, in light of the uncertainty around Twitter and out of an abundance of caution, CBS News is pausing its activity on the social media site as it continues to monitor the platform. 
Over the weekend, Elon Musk launched an online Twitter poll on whether to reinstate former President Donald Trump to the social media site. With 15 million votes cast, it was 52% for reinstatement, with 48% against. An eerie echo to the disastrous UK Brexit voting result back in 2016. Mr Musk tweeted that 134 million people have seen this poll. He likes big numbers. Yet this was simply impressions and will likely include many of the same people and bots coming back again and again to check the voting tally. Yesterday, Mr Musk tweeted, The people have spoken. Trump will be reinstated. Vox Populi, Vox Dei. The translation of this Latin phrase is the voice of the people is the voice of God. Now, there's an ego out of control. We have no idea how many of these people were bots. More worrying is the idea of deciding things by random populism. You can take the view this is Mr Musk's company and he can do what he likes. We're free to leave or stay. Of course, the finance deal was funded personally by Mr Musk, but also by a wide range of big financial investors. Let the buyer beware might be a concept those investors are acquainted with soon. For all of Elon Musk's lip service to freedom of speech and democracy, is his big idea really to reinstate Donald Trump? The very same Trump who repeatedly refused to accept the Democratic US presidential vote in 2020. The guy who falsely claimed the election had been stolen from him as he whipped up an angry mob on Capitol Hill. Mr Trump is the only US president to have been impeached twice, latterly by the House of Representatives for the insurrection on Capitol Hill in Washington DC last year. Mr Trump is reminiscent of O. Henry's 1904 novel Cabbages and Kings, a collection of stories set in the fictional Banana Republic of Anchuria. The book coined the term Banana Republic. Mr Trump has indulged in more harebrained follies than most people on the planet combined. His ego matches Mr Musk. A return to hate-filled Trumpism on social media might be the move that undoes Twitter. It goes against Mr Musk's ambition for transparency and Twitter being the best place for accurate information. Post-truth Trumpism combined with posing as anyone by paying eight bucks a month for a blue tick is a marriage made in heaven. A column written by Mike Daly. Glasgow Times on Monday the 21st of November. Opinion. Sturgeon's record on shipbuilding has sunk the case for independence. The Tory View, a column written by Thomas Kerr. Glasgow and the Clydeside has a proud history of shipbuilding, thanks to Rishi Sunak and the UK government that's long set to continue. The announcement last week that five more frigates are going to be built was absolutely brilliant news for our city and another confidence boost in the hugely skilled workforce at the Govan and Scotston BAE system sites from the UK government. As we continue to see Russian aggression towards Ukraine and other unknown challenges, it's vital that we boost our defence infrastructure and it's terrific that a large bulk of that warship building work will be done right here in Glasgow as part of a £4.2 billion contract. There's no getting away from the fact that shipbuilding has been one of the most contentious points of discussion surrounding the independence debate. 
The reality is that this latest contract reaffirms the UK government's commitment to shipbuilding in Scotland and will protect thousands of jobs in Glasgow. Only the day before the contract announcement, the Scottish Affairs Committee heard from defence expert Professor Keith Hartley unequivocally that there would be no future for warship building in an independent Scotland. This is a man that has advised the United Nations and the European Defence Agency. He can't be brushed aside by pro-independent supporters as some scaremongering unionist, even though they probably will attempt to do so. And let's contrast the delivery by the UK government over warships with the SNP's record in building a ferry. The score would be one a team would be proud of delivering at the World Cup. In the relevant time period, it's the UK government 7, the SNP government 1. The SNP's ferry fiasco has cost taxpayers £250 million and rising, and we still don't have any ferries that float. Our island communities are being let down at every single turn by the SNP. It's nothing short of a scandal and is the height of incompetence. Still, nobody has taken responsibility within the SNP for failing to get a basic ferry procurement process correct and deliver desperately needed new vessels for our islanders. Nicola Sturgeon's record on shipbuilding has sunk the case for independence. She just doesn't want to admit it yet. While the SNP is blowing millions and crippling daily life for our island communities, the UK government has stepped up yet again and delivered for Scotland. Given the current cost-of-living crisis, news that work is secure at these sites will be of huge relief for the skilled workers and their families at this time. Protecting the nation is any government's first priority, and to do that you need not only the manpower, but world-class warships like the Type 26 frigates as well. This sort of multi-billion level of investment in Clydeside sites is only possible because we're part of the United Kingdom. Even Nicola Sturgeon had to welcome this news, even if it truly exposed which government is better at delivering on shipbuilding once and for all. A column written by Thomas Kerr. Glasgow Times News on Monday the 21st of November. Two suspects wanted in murder bid in Maryhill. An article written by Rebecca Newlands. Two suspects are wanted in a murder bid after a man suffered life-threatening injuries. Emergency services were called to Guthrie Street in the city's Mary Hill at around 5.45am on Saturday morning. A 40-year-old man was found seriously injured after having been attacked. He was transported by ambulance to Glasgow Royal Infirmary, where he is now in a stable condition. Police are treating this incident as attempted murder and are hunting down two men. Detective Sergeant Stephen Palmer from Maryhill CID said, From our inquiries so far, we're looking for two male suspects. Mr Palmer added, They're both white, one is of stocky build and dressed all in black, the other is of slim build and wearing a white jacket with possibly a Just Eat logo and a yellow or mustard skip cap. I would ask if you recognise these men from the descriptions or were in the Mary Hill area around the time of the incident and saw anyone acting suspiciously that you come forward and speak to police. An article written by Rebecca Newlands. From the Glasgow Times, Tuesday the 22nd of November 2022, from the news section. Glasgow buses targeted by brick-wielding vandals in Springburn. By Marissa McQuirter. 
A number of buses in Glasgow were targeted as thugs lobbed bricks at the vehicles while passengers sat inside. Cops are investigating the incidents, affecting four separate first bus routes from the Atlas Road and Balgray Hill Road areas in Springburn. The buses were targeted around 7.30pm on Monday evening. One passenger told the Glasgow Times that Brick landed at his feet after smashing through a second-floor window on the number 88 bus. He said the bus had stopped for a wee bit on Balgray Hill Road because the door mechanism broke. We were waiting there for about 20 to 30 minutes. A bunch of people got onto the 87 bus when it came, but me and a few people stayed to wait for the 88 bus to come along. About 30 minutes later, a brick was lobbed through the window. It went straight through and shattered the whole window. The brick landed at my feet. There was glass everywhere. I hope the driver is okay. We got on the next bus, but he had to wait with a damaged one. I'm pretty sure another brick hit the second bus I got on. A spokesperson for First Glasgow said, We can confirm several incidents took place on Monday evening involving services 71A, 87, 88 and 90 on and around the Balgray Hill Road area. The safety of our customers and drivers is of paramount importance to us and as a result we diverted services 8A, 71A, 87, 88, 90, 189 and 190 from the Atlas Road and Balgray Hill Road area. Services have resumed as normal this morning. The police have been informed of these incidents and these are now being investigated further. A Police Scotland spokesperson said, Around 7.30pm on Monday, November 21st, 2022, officers received a report of buses damaged on Atlas Road, Glasgow. Inquiries are ongoing. This article was by Marissa McQuirter. From the Glasgow Times, Tuesday the 22nd of November 2022, from the news section. Glasgow Soup Kitchen issued plea to council after knife incidents. By Catherine Hunter. A Glasgow soup kitchen is urging the City Council to find them a suitable indoor location following two knife crime incidents in the space of a week. Colin McInnes, chairperson of the Homeless Project Scotland, which is based under Central Bridge in Glasgow, has reissued a plea for a warm and watertight space in the city centre for volunteers to serve food and provide support to the most vulnerable residents. It comes following an incident on Saturday, November the 19th at around 8.40pm when a 22-year-old man who had allegedly been stabbed three times on Argyle Street collapsed in front of the charity volunteers. The previous week, a 37-year-old man was taken to hospital after being reportedly slashed while attending the soup kitchen at around 8.30pm on Sunday, November the 13th. Both men were taken to the Queen Elizabeth University Hospital to receive trans treatment. Following these attacks, Mr McInnes said these incidents highlighted the reason the charity needs a building to bring people inside to keep them warm and safe. Mr McInnes said, We would like the council to offer us a suitable space within the city centre so we can feed people who need it. We have previously held demonstrations outside the city chamber. We have put a lot of pressure on the council to find a solution, but they don't seem to be able to find us one. Glasgow City Council has previously offered the project two facilities, but these have been deemed unsuitable. Mr McInnes added, We have basically been asking for a building since June 2021. We have been telling the council that we want to bring people off the streets and indoors for multiple reasons. We want to give people dignity, 
to give them somewhere warm to sit and eat and socialise. We had our first initial offer from the council about six weeks ago, which was a basement at Cadogan Square underneath the Anderson Flats. This wasn't suitable because it had no heating or a kitchen. The place was a bit of a nightmare, so we couldn't justify spending the amount of money we would need in one local authority because we cover the whole of the country. Last November, they took us to the St Francis Centre to let us have a look at that, but told we couldn't move in because of the ongoing work to the stained glass window. That, to me, is not really an offer. They came back with another offer last week to work with them in the St Francis Centre to serve people from 8am until 9pm. I told them there was no chance we could accept that because our service for food is from 8pm until 2am. They offer us solutions which are not suitable. Meanwhile, there are over 200 people queuing in the streets, people who are cold, and a 74-year-old woman was asking yesterday when she would have a warm building to sit in. We would like a building that is wind and watertight, has got heat and is in a city centre location. It would preferably have a kitchen facility, but we are not saying that has to happen because that is a bit unreasonable. Glasgow City Council has agreed that the Argyle Street base is not suitable for the charity and encouraged them to take a broad approach in their search for a property. A spokesperson said the incident at the weekend was very concerning, but we understand volunteers with the charity responded admirably to an emergency situation. It is widely agreed that Argyle Street is not a suitable location for the charity to deliver the support they provide, and we are actively looking through the limited options we have to try and identify a solution for them. We are in regular contact with HPS, and after two properties we put forward to them were declined, we have sought further information from the charity on the specifications they have for a building. We know the charity has been reaching out to other property holders in the city, and we encourage them to take the broadest possible approach with their search for a property. That article was by Catherine Hunter. From the Glasgow Times of Tuesday, the 22nd of November 2022, from the Opinion section by Mike Daly. Is Elon Musk's Twitter a folly set to implode soon? Folly is given two meanings in most dictionaries. First, an act of foolishness or supremely daft idea. Second, in relation to buildings, a structure that's ornamental and serves no practical purpose other than to indulge one's ego. A fine example is McKeague's folly, a Romanesque mini coliseum which stands astride Battery Hill, overlooking the beautiful town of Oban. First erected in 1897 by the Scottish banker John Stuart McKeag to cherish the memory of himself and family. Construction stopped when McKeag died in 1902 and his family challenged his will for further lavish building plans including a tower and statues of himself and family members. It would seem that they had more practical plans for his money. Fast forward 120 years and we still have follies, albeit on grander scales. Elon Musk's purchase of Twitter is a classic example of what happens when an ego goes unchecked and has no boundaries. Musk 
bought Twitter for $44 billion. The business had posted losses for seven out of the last nine years. Musk says Twitter is losing $4 million each day, which probably explains why he'd previously tried unsuccessfully to get out of the deal to buy the company. It can't be worth what he paid for it. It's reported that Twitter has almost a quarter of a billion users. To make that business a success based on subscriptions, Musk has now rolled out Blue Twitter at $8 a month, and you would need one in four users to take out a subscription without advertising. Leaving aside the fact a lot of users are bots, a social media Twitter account controlled by computer software that generates its own content, generating such a high level of subscriptions seems impossible. YouTube has 2.6 billion users with 80 million subscribers. That's three out of every 100 users who are prepared to subscribe. Add to this the fact Musk has spooked a lot of his big corporate advertisers, including General Motors, Audi, United Airlines, Volkswagen and Eli Lilly, the big pharma company. The American news channel CBS News suspended its use of Twitter over the weekend, explaining, In light of the uncertainty around Twitter and out of an abundance of caution, CBS News is pausing its activity on the social media site as it continues to monitor the platform. Over the weekend, Elon Musk launched an online Twitter poll on whether to reinstate former President Donald Trump to the social media site. With 15 million votes cast, it was 52% for reinstatement, with 48% again. An eerie echo to the disastrous UK Brexit voting result back in 2016. Musk tweeted that 134 million people have seen this poll. He likes big numbers. Yet this was simply impressions and will likely include many of the same people and bots coming back again and again to check the voting tally. Yesterday, Musk tweeted, The people have spoken. Trunk will be reinstated. Vox Populi Vox D. The translation of the Latin phrase is the voice of the people is the voice of God. Now there's an ego out of control. We have no idea how many of those people were bots. More worrying is the idea of deciding things by random populism. You can take the view this is Musk's company and he can do what he likes. We are free to leave or stay. Of course, the finance deal was funded personally by Musk, but also by a wide range of big financial investors. Let the buyer beware might be a concept those investors are acquainted with soon. For all of Elon Musk's lip service to freedom of speech and democracy, is his big idea really to reinstate Donald Trump? The very same Trump who repeatedly refused to accept the Democratic US presidential vote in 2020? 
The guy who falsely claimed the election had been stolen from him as he whipped up an angry mob on Capitol Hill. Trump is the only US president to have been impeached twice, latterly by the House of Representatives for the insurrection on Capitol Hill in Washington DC last year. Trump is reminiscent of O. Henry's 1904 novel Cabbages and Kings, a collection of stories set in the fictional Banana Republic of Anchuria. The book coined the term Banana Republic. Trump has indulged in more harebrained follies than most people on the planet combined. His ego matches Musk's. A return to hate-filled Trumpism on social media might be the move that undoes Twitter. It goes against Musk's ambition for transparency and Twitter being the best place for accurate information. Post-truth Trumpism combined with posing as anyone by paying eight bucks a month for a blue tick is a marriage made in heaven. From the Glasgow Times of Tuesday the 22nd of November 2020, from the Opinion section, Thomas Kerr column, Nicola Sturgeon's shipbuilding record has sunk in the case. Glasgow and the Clydeside has a proud history of shipbuilding, thanks to Rishi Sunak and the UK government that is long set to continue. The announcement last week that five more frigates are going to be built was absolutely brilliant news for our city and another confidence boost in the hugely skilled workforce at the Govan and Scotston BAE Systems sites from the UK government. As we continue to see Russian aggression towards Ukraine and other unknown challenges, it is vital that we boost our defence infrastructure and it is terrific that a large bulk of that warship building work will be done right here in Glasgow as part of a 4.2 billion contract. There is no getting away from the fact that shipbuilding has been one of the most contentious points of discussion surrounding the independence debate. The reality is that this latest contract reaffirms the UK government's commitment to shipbuilding in Scotland and will protect thousands of jobs in Glasgow. Only the day before the contract announcement, the Scottish Affairs Committee heard from defence expert Professor Keith Hartley unequivocally that there would be no future for warship building in an independent Scotland. This is a man that has advised the United Nations and the European Defence Agency. He cannot be brushed aside by pro-independence supporters as some scaremongering unionist, even though they probably will attempt to do so. And let's contrast the delivery by the UK government over warships with the SNP's record in building a ferry. The score would be one a team would be proud of delivering at the World Cup. And that was this week's Glasgow Times News podcast, normally recorded in our studio at the Bishop Briggs Media Centre, currently recorded from our volunteers' homes with the publisher's kind permission. Thanks for listening.